You are listening to Dermcast.tv, the official online media resource for the Society of Dermatology PAs. I'm really honored to be here. I want to thank uh, the conference team for inviting me to be here, and I'm really excited to share with you guys some pearls on facial anatomy for the injector. I have a question. How many of you are currently injecting in your practice? Okay, good. How many of you love anatomy? How many here want to learn more about anatomy? Yes, perfect. Well, that's what we're going to do today. This lecture in its full format is actually a four-hour didactic that's part of my, uh, my own teaching course, but I've condensed it down into a 45 to 50-minute lecture on some high-yield pearls to kind of start talking about the way that we approach the face. Um, as, as was mentioned, I'm an pro assistant professor of anatomy uh, at my medical school in Kansas City, and I'm a private practice plastic surgeon. I already talked to you about my disclosures. Uh, really important, though, the illustrations in this talk are protected by intellectual property, okay? So no photos of my illustrations. I'll let you know if there's slides you can take pictures of, but please respect the intellectual property behind this. I present this talk all over the world, and so I tell everybody uh, when I present this, those components. Who here remembers the magic school bus? Anybody, that cartoon, okay? So for the next hour, we're gonna take a magic school bus ride through the face, and it's gonna be gnarly, okay? It's gonna be a lot of fun. But the objective is to think about the face as a three-dimensional structure that is dynamic. And I want to take you through a tour of the face and give you a viewpoint of the anatomy from the injector's point of view. So when you go back to your practices and you inject certain areas, you have a snapshot in the right-hand corner of your mind of what you're treating when you're performing that injection. Every time I give a talk, I want to give credit to my mentors. None of us would be where we are today without some people helping us along the way. So I want to give a couple people some shout-outs. This is Jerry Lamb. Uh, the co-author of the book that he and I, he, my co-author on the book, he was my mentor in residency, and I learned a great deal from him. Uh, this is a team, to my right is Javier Boot, a very, very talented Spanish injector who taught me a lot about how I treat cheeks and lips, which I'll share with you today. To my left is Glenn Jeltz, arguably one of the best uh, oculoplastic surgeons in the world, really great eyelid anatomist, and periorbital anatomy is very important. This is Jim Zins, my fellowship director. Uh, he's the one who taught me facelift surgery, an excellent anatomist, and then this is Brian Mendelson. I don't know if any of you have heard of Brian Mendelson, but I would say he's kind of the modern-day guru of facial anatomy. He's done more for facial anatomy literature in the past couple decades than many have done in several years. And this is the man right here. This is Levant Effie. Levant is an Australian illustrator. He and I are very close. He was the illustrator of our book. Uh, I don't know. Does anybody have the book? If you don't, maybe you can look up. Okay, thank you. Um, anyhow, but in the book, we have these full... Play, uh, full, a full plate of illustrations on each right-hand side of the page. When I co-wrote this book in residency, I would Skype with, with Levant from 10 to midnight every night during the week. So picture this, working in a surgical residency, 80 hours, definitely longer than that, coming home and then kissing my wife goodnight and then Skyping from 10 to midnight for two years to build the illustrations for that book. I'm, I'm amazed my wife did not leave me. Um, but Levant is, a, is excellent, and he and I produced a whole new set of illustrations for this talk that we've now been giving uh, all over the globe, and I'm really proud to uh, be able to partner with him. This is a quote that I trademarked uh, recently, the fear of injections is the fear of anatomy, and that's really kind of our slogan uh, when I talk about anatomy for injectables. I want to credit Ian Taylor. He's a plastic surgeon in Australia, and in the early 80s, he was, he was known to have said that the fear of surgery is the fear of anatomy. And I had learned that in training, and it kind of resonated with me. And when I started teaching injectables, both for industry, but also just in our own teaching courses, I would tell people, listen, 
If you're injecting and you have fear, you have to get a better command of the anatomy. Just like in surgery, if I'm performing an operation and I'm tentative because I don't know the anatomy, I'm not gonna get a good result. The best surgeons and the best injectors, in my opinion, are strong anatomists. So the fear of injections is the fear of anatomy, and that's really what, what we're working on. And I actually, I wrote to Ian and asked him if I could trademark this because it was close to his quote, and he was like, yes, please, please spread the word. So, what's daddy's favorite subject? We can hike the sound up a little bit. What's daddy's favorite subject? <laughs> That's my daughter. Uh, I took this before a conference uh, a couple months ago. I was flying out, and she's like, where are you going? And I said, I'm going to go to work, and I'm going to teach anatomy. And she knows that. And so then I, I took a video of her saying that. She's awesome. All right. So anatomy, the key to anatomy is it increases our accuracy, just like I talked about. If I'm performing a surgery, and I know where the ligament is, I'm going to cut it. If I don't know where the ligament is, I'm going to be nervous because I would be worried about cutting a ligament or a nerve, okay? Same thing with injectables. If you know where you're going, it can help increase your accuracy and maximize aesthetic outcome. And the issue is this, right? You guys don't get to see this anatomy. This is from my course. This is cross-sectional anatomy. Think about the face like a building with multiple stories that you have to pass through to get to certain safe locations. If you don't know each floor and what's on each floor of the face, you're going to run into problems. So my objective today is at least give you a taste of how we look at cross-sectional anatomy of the face. All right? Now, there's a couple of falsehoods and realities in injectables. This is a slide that I recycled from a, a, a panel I was on earlier this year where the topic was falsehoods and realities. The first falsehood is that anatomy is an exact science. That's not true, okay? And anatomy is inherently variable. So our objective and my goal today is to at least distill to you some common findings, a foundation, a base that you can build upon always respecting the fact that variability can and will exist. And I'll teach you some of those variabilities as well. The second thing is it's all about the fact departments. Who's heard of the fact departments? Yeah. So the fact departments were described by Rod Rourke and Joel Pesson in Dallas, two brilliant um, surgeons and anatomists. And it was kind of our first step into understanding what anatomy is for the injector. Okay, we've done so much for injectable anatomy in the past decade. It's not like anatomy changed, right? I mean, anatomy's been here ever since we were in existence, but how we perceive, understand, and utilize the anatomy is what changes. But I will tell you, the fact departments were great, but they were just the beginning. I call them the Kardashians of facial anatomy, okay? Why? Because they were the first on the scene, okay? They got us thinking about facial anatomy, but all these other things have occurred. We understand now it's a combination of multiple structures, fat compartments, ligaments, vessels, lymphatics, and potential spaces. It all becomes one big symphony, and so we have to understand what that is. So the fat compartments were a good start, but they're only a small part of the equation now. An important part, but only one part of it. And the other thing is that injection is a simple low-risk procedure. All of you in this room know, yes, maybe 98% of the time it is a simple low-risk procedure, but it just takes one blindness and one skin necrosis to cripple you both professionally and personally, and so you have to take it serious. The name of the game is navigation. Just like a captain trying to navigate his ship through shallow waters, you guys are facial navigators. That's what you're doing when you're injecting in the face. And the issue is you need a depth gauge because the challenge that we face as injectors as opposed to a surgeon, in surgery I get direct visualization of the anatomy before I cut it. When you guys inject, it's a blind stick, right? It's literally you trying to visualize where you are in the face when you're injecting. You don't have a little camera on the tip of your cannula showing you where you're going. So you have to find other ways to gauge depth and allow you to get over this concept of having a blind stick. And so my depth gauge in the face is the SMAS. Who's heard of the SMAS? Good. 
the SMAS, the Superficial Musculoaponeurotic System. If you're going to write down one term today, it's the SMAS. Because for me, the SMAS is my depth gauge when injecting in the face. And if you can understand that, it will help you navigate in very particular regions and try and dance around a lot of important structures. Here's a facelift of mine, and I'm just showing you the SMAS. Here I'm lifting the SMAS to recreate a jawline for her, okay? But I want you to look at the consistency and the thickness of the SMAS, because many of you have not seen it. And we don't have any cadavers here today, but you're going to see some stuff in the cadaver lab that I show you. Here is that same patient. I'm lifting this mass up for you, and you can see this pinkish yellow fascia with a little bit of fat on it. And you can see that there's fat below it and then fat above it. That's your superficial and deep fat pads of the face, but that is the SMAS. It is a fiber structure that you will push through with a cannula or a needle to get from superficial to deep. And it's really important to understand that principle. All right. So this slide is meant to humble all of us, all right? I show this in every talk that I give because I want to remind everybody of all the vascular networks that exist in the face. We are constantly dancing and tangling around the facial artery, and we have to be cognizant of that. And so really the question is, how do we stay away from danger zones, and how do we get to our safe harbors without creating problems or harming our patients? And the key to that, in my opinion, is the SMAS, okay? Not only is the SMAS a depth gauge, but the interesting thing about the SMAS is embryologically, the SMAS is what, is what the facial nerves follow when they traverse through the face. And I have found in the cadaver lab now, after studying this for the past couple of years, that the vessels in the SMAS tend to be intimate in several predictable locations in the face. I remember I was doing a Journal Club uh, article with Joel Pessa, and he told me that the SMAS was a uh, vestigial remnant of the lower facial primate panfacial muscle. And I'm like, that is crazy. That's like the most complicated thing I've heard anybody say. What he was getting at is saying that the SMAS does carry the lymphatics and the vessels and the nerves throughout the face. And he's right. Now, variability will exist, but I'm going to show you in a couple locations where the vessels are in the SMAS. So if we can predictably get above or below the SMAS to maximize our aesthetic outcome, we can also get predictably above or below the SMAS and hopefully decrease our interaction with the what? the arterial system. Does that make sense? And all of you here want to know how to avoid vascular occlusion. I'm going to show you how I try to do it. So we can bring in our uh, deep muscles. This is the masseter itself. And then we demonstrate these white structures. Who's heard of retaining ligaments? Anybody? Yes. So we have these ligaments in the face. Now it's confusing. Okay, For those of you who are anatomical purists, you're going to say, well, it doesn't make sense because a ligament connects a bone to a bone. You're absolutely right. Except in the face, we started calling these things ligaments, and now we're just too far along. So the facial ligaments run from bone or fascia to the skin, okay? And so I'm going to show you how to utilize those ligaments in your injectable practice. But we're going to talk about the SMAS first. We bring in the SMAS itself, we demonstrate the structures below the SMAS, and then we bring in our facial artery. And I show it to you here conceptually how that facial artery is often encased in the SMAS. So again, above or below may decrease our interaction with the vessel itself. So with that being said, the face is a symphony of structures now. It's not just fat compartments. What you're going to learn today is that you are the injector. You are the conductor. You're in charge. Okay? You are conducting this symphony. You're going to utilize the SMAS as your depth gauge to access fat compartments or potential spaces while trying to navigate around ligaments and avoid vessels and avoid lymphatics. 
This is what facial anatomy is in 2019, and this is what you're going to learn today. If you can understand these anatomical structures and their relationships, it will help empower you, in my opinion, to optimize results in your practice. You can take a picture of this if you want. Okay. All right. So let's think about this conceptually now. Okay, this, is all, this whole first part of this talk is just giving you a concept. But now that we know about the SMAS, we know about the symphony of structures, what does it look like? So here we have the facial skeleton, and now we're going to bring in our SMAS and our retaining ligament system. I'm going to teach you a lot about this today. And then we're going to bring in our vessels, which we want to avoid. And then we're going to bring in our sub-SMAS world. I call this the SMAS underworld. This is where a lot of the action's happening. Okay, we get bony resorption, we get soft tissue atrophy. When I treat patients and I create shape, and I maintain proportion, I start deep, and then I work my way superficial. So this is where you're headed first, in my opinion, in most patients. And then you have your super smash structures, and then you have the skin. And all the lines and wrinkles of the skin are what? They are surface proof of anatomical change. Okay, so everything you do when you treat patients is related to anatomy, even the anatomy of facial aging, and you have to understand that. So when I inject the face now, I don't think about filling a wrinkle or filling a divot. I talk, I talk to myself, am I above or below the SMAS? Everywhere I go, I don't say deep or superficial. I say, am I above or below the SMAS? In the temple, am I below the SMAS or am I above it? In the cheek, am I below the SMAS? In the anterior cheek, am I below the SMAS? In the jawline, am I below the SMAS or above the SMAS? When I inject the lip, where am I? Any guesses? Very good. Above the SMAS, okay? We're above the SMAS. Why? Because there's muscle and there's mucosa. So it's a super SMAS injection. For those who inject the nose, we're not going to go there. And infrabrow, they are, in theory, sub-SMAS. So the whole concept is understanding where you are relative to the SMAS, at least in my opinion. That's how we navigate. So let's go to the lab. I've shown you a lot of pretty pictures. Now let's go to the lab. Here we're going to inject product in the deep piriform space, a very common location to create deep volume in the aging patient. And now I'm dissecting from top down. And look at this. You see that red vessel invested in fascia? What is that fascia? SMAS. I have to release the SMAS to expose my product safely sitting on the bone in a deep position, in the deep piriform. And then as I cut down the nasolabial fold, you're going to, I'm going to demonstrate to you this beautiful red latex injected artery. But you're going to notice that the artery is intimate with the modiolus and the depressor anguli oris, i.e. the SMAS. Okay, you see what I'm talking about? Okay, you don't believe me? That's fine. We'll go somewhere else. We're going to go to the temple. We're going to inject in a sub-SMAS plane in the temple with blue dye. We're going to do a cross-sectional cut. And now, look at this. We see this artery invested in this white fascia. What is that fascia called? SMAS. Good. So that is what we're worried about. This is the artery that's been implicated in blindness from temple injections. Okay? If you recognize it's going to be in the SMAS, and then you mark it out topographically, in theory, hopefully you're helping yourself decrease that dreaded complication in your practice. So one more time. I'm going to show you one, a fourth location in the face now. We're going to inject in the pre-jowl in a sub-SMAS plane. And then we're going to perform a cross-sectional cut. This is right over the pre-jowl that bothers a lot of our patients. And as I cut down through the skin and fat, here I'm going through jowl fat. Now I'm going through the depressor anguli oris muscle. You guys see that little red vessel in the, see that red vessel in the depressor anguli oris? And you see my product deep? So my product is deep to the what? SMAS. So that's four locations I just showed you in 30 seconds. 
where the mass and the vessels are intimate. Now, I will tell you there are a couple locations where that's not entirely true, and you have to be cognizant of those regions. But at least it gives you some, some start, some springboard to understand gauging depth. All right? So filler anatomy in 2019, if I were to make it a cartoon for you and give you a concept to think about as we now parlay into particular aesthetic subunits, think about it like a two-tiered cake. Okay, the platter of the cake is the bone. The first layer of cake is our sub-smash structures, fat compartments, potential spaces, and ligaments. A lot of you have heard about these, but now you're going to understand how they relate. The middle layer of icing, if you will, is the SMAS, which is often intimate with the vasculature. And then those same retaining ligaments, they're like tree trunks, okay? They start out as these tree trunks on the bone, and as they come up through the SMAS, they sprout out. And as they sprout out, that's what you're seeing when I release the anatomy here, or you release the anatomy in the fold. That's called retinacular cutis, but that's the retaining ligaments sending out branches to the skin. And guess what? As the face ages, those retaining ligaments tug on the skin and then create what? deep folds and deep marionettes. Again, it's all anatomy. It's all anatomy. So then the top layer of cake, if you will, is the superficial fat compartments and the icing is the skin. This is how I think about facial anatomy in 2019. And then we'll cut the cake for fun, okay? So I want you to have this image in your mind now as we move forward to talk about certain areas. So I picked out some hot topics for today since we only have an hour, okay? And the first one is talking about facial vasculature. And this will be important because when we get to the lip injection and complication talks later today, I'm going to reference back to this material. So you saw this picture earlier. This is what we see in the facial vasculature of the lower face and the facial artery. But I'm going to teach you what I know based on the current data in regards to the topography of the facial artery and the superior and inferior labial vessels. Now, a lot of this literature comes from the Asian literature, Korea and places like that where they somehow get access to large volumes of cadaver heads, okay? And they do these pretty extensive studies. What we find is that the facial artery comes off the external carotid, it comes up over the jawline through a little notch called the antagonial notch, okay? The antagonial notch is a bony structure that is created by the repeat pressure and pulsation of the facial artery. So you can feel it, particularly on your aging patients. That's the antagonial notch. As the artery comes off, it's gonna give off its first branch, which is this branch, the inferior labial artery. I've had one vascular occlusion in my practice, and it was this artery, and it was scary, and I'm going to tell you about it later today. But always respect any artery, but in particular the inferior labial, because the inferior labial artery can be variable in where it runs. In other words, it can run right underneath the lower lip vermilion, or it can run as low as the labial mental crease. So for the injectors in the room, how many of you will inject the labial mental crease? Yeah, I do. Okay. Well, next time you do it, you're going to think to yourself, there could be a really big artery underneath me. So when I inject the labial mental crease using a needle or a cannula, I go right through the crease and I lift up to create a subcision. Okay, I want to release the anatomy. That allows me to put that product right in the crease. Because one of my biggest pet peeves is when I see patients who've had labial mental crease injection and the product is like squirted above and below it because they didn't get in the crease. Okay, so you're not only going to get a more precise injection, but you're also going to create a little bit of a buffer zone between you and the potential artery below you. Does that make sense? It may not always be there but it can be, so you have to be cognizant. So then the inferior labial artery comes off. Now I want all of you to take your thumb and push it up against your commissure. I'd have you do it to your friends, but you guys don't all know each other that well. Okay, that's what you're gonna do on your patient. The lateral border of your thumb, okay, the lateral border of your thumb, if you put it on the commissure, at that lateral border is where your artery is. It's about 
a centimeter and a half or 15 millimeters. So when you're injecting a lip or a commissure and you want to look at where the artery is, just put your thumbnail right on that patient's commissure and the lateral border of your thumb is where that artery is traveling relative to the commissure. So you're going to hear several, several ejectors on podium say that the commissure is a safe avascular plane. And what did I tell you at the beginning? Anatomy is never exact. So yes, the most common finding is that it is a safe avascular plane, but because of the fact of where the artery is relative to where your commissure is. Now, the next key pearl is the superior labial artery. For anybody here who injects the upper lip, you need to know this anatomy, okay? The superior labial artery is gonna travel, is gonna come off, and it's gonna travel above the white roll for the lateral two-thirds, okay? You can see it right here. Above the white roll for the lateral two-thirds. At the medial third, it's gonna dive underneath the white roll to go to the central tubercle of the lip and then shoot off a vessel up to the nose, okay? Medial third at a depth of three millimeters. I'd write this down. Medial third at a depth of three millimeters. That's the, the first rule of the vasculature here, okay? Medial third at a depth of three millimeters. So when I perform lip injections, if I'm doing white roll augmentation, which depends on what the patient needs, okay, that the white roll is the framework of the lip, I take a needle and I go bevel down and I insert the needle and then I lift up. Okay, why do I lift up? Because I'm releasing the anatomy. The white roll, just like everything else in the face, is an anatomical structure. It's the insertion of what's called the pars marginalis orbicularis into the white roll. That's not important for you to know. But the point is that the white roll, I release that so that I can place my product directly in the white roll instead of having it roll out or up and over. You guys have all seen blunted white rolls. It, looks, it does not look good. But more importantly, when I perform that subcision and I release that anatomy, and I'll show you in my video later today in the lip, I'm also creating a little bit more of a buffer zone between me and the what? The artery, okay, which is traveling about three millimeters below me to the central tubercle. Does that make sense? Superior labial artery above the white roll for the lateral two-thirds, then dies below the white roll at the medial third at a depth of three millimeters. Any lip injector should understand that. Now, as the facial artery then travels from the lip towards the nasolabial fold, you can see here it's going to travel medial to the fold, but at some point it's got to get underneath the fold to go up the face. It, that's going to happen, guess what, at the medial third. Sound familiar? Okay, so the artery is going to cross the medial third of the nasolabial fold at a depth of five millimeters now. Okay, so you have medial third, three millimeters in the lip, medial third, five millimeters in the nasolabial fold. If you learned anything from this past five minutes, that's what you want to know for sure. So again, if I treat the fold, which I don't do as much as I used to in my practice because we're getting so good with cheek volume, but every now and then you have to treat the fold. Okay, it's just a problem. Again, you're gonna release the anatomy. So I'll take a cannula or a needle and I'll come right into the fold and I'm gonna lift up and I'm releasing that anatomy, number one. But number two, I'm creating just a little bit more space between me and the artery that might be below me, okay? When I inject the deep piriform space, like I did in that cadaver to show you where the vessel was in the SMAS, you'll notice that I went closer to the alar base. I wanna get away from that medial third where that vessel's crossing. I wanna go closer to the alar base so I don't pierce that vessel on the way down to bone. Is that making sense? You'll hear Arthur Swift talk about how he has people come down in the piriform and then point to the opposite oral commissure. The only reason he says that is he's trying to get people away from this artery. Okay, you wanna get away from the artery. Perfect. So let's look at these vessels in the cadaver lab for a minute. All right, so here we can see the artery and vein coming up off the external carotid. Now the facial artery is in the face. There is our depressor anguli oris, i.e. our SMAS. And as I pull this back, look at that artery attached to the back side of the muscle. You guys see that? Now here's my thumbnail, sure enough. There's my thumbnail and there's the artery just lateral to my thumbnail. 
And then you can see the superior labial now coming off, traveling above the white roll in the lateral two-thirds. See it here? Do, do, do. And it's going to come across and it's going to dive at the medial third at a depth of three millimeters to the central tubercle. Now, I made this cut across the nasolabial fold. So notice how the artery is starting medial to the fold. And sure enough, as I reflect this little cut, boom, there it is crossing to then go up the face. You guys see that? Crossing at the medial third. Once it gives off the lateral nasal artery, it becomes the angular artery, and then it travels within the alar facial groove up to the nose, eventually to the eye. Okay, that's why lip injections and nasolabial fold injections have caused skin necrosis and visual compromise uh, in the past. And now you're going to see here, as I push up against this structure right here, this is the tear trough ligament. This is what creates that dreaded tear trough that all our patients hate. But notice that the tear trough ligament is lateral. In other words, these vessels are going to be medial to it. A nice little pearl that I'll share with you in a little bit. So that's our tour of the vessels of the face, okay? So in summary, what have we learned? The inferior labial artery can run as low as the mental crease. So we will respect and understand that if and when we augment the labial mental crease. The superior labial artery, well, the artery travels about 1.5 centimeters lateral to the oral commissure, which can approximate to a thumbprint. The white roll, the superior labial artery will travel above the white roll for the lateral two-thirds and then dive deep to the white roll at the medial third at a depth of three millimeters. The facial artery will then travel medial to the nasolabial fold. It will cross the medial third at five millimeters. And then this is where variability happens. This is the most important part of this. Once the artery is above the alar base, it can be subcutaneous. Okay, the SMAS rule goes out the window. So just be cognizant of that. All right. Perfect. So, now that we've talked about the SMAS, we've built the concept of how we're going to navigate around the face. We've also talked about the artery. Now, what can we utilize in anatomy as our secret weapons, if you will, to create tangible change? The first is utilize the retaining ligaments. Okay, this is a hot topic both nationally and globally on podiums talking about injection procedures. But the reality is that in surgery, we release the ligaments. In this scenario, you're going to want to try and build between them in the deep plane. And so what does that mean? Well, we're going to go to the temple for a minute. Okay, who here is interested in temple injections? Yeah, who's scared of them? We, shall, we all should be. Okay, you can, you can blind someone injecting the temple. But just like in other parts of the face, you're going to build between the ligaments. Think of the temple as this room right now. And then the walls of the room are the ligaments. Okay, you want to build between those. That same principle will apply in the cheek, and that same principle will apply in the jawline which are the two areas we're going to go to after this. Temple volumization is a really hot topic right now because no one really knows where to go. Okay? We know that we can inject deep, the one up and one over technique that's taught by a lot of injectors around the country. Some people go superficial because to go deep, you've got to push a lot of tissue up to show a tangible contour change on the surface. So the most bang for your buck, if you will, is going to be superficial. However, we know that people who have injected superficial have blinded patients. And so we have to know how to approach that safely. And then is there an intermediate target? I'm working on this in our lab right now. Uh, I'm hoping we'll have something out for you guys in the spring. But uh, I do think there is an intermediate target. We won't get into that today. So here, this is the video I showed you earlier. I'm just injecting the temple in a subsmass plane. And I'm doing a cross-sectional cut. And the whole purpose of this video when I made it was to show where this artery is, Okay, the artery implicated in blindness. This is the anterior branch of the superficial temporal artery. We'll talk about it a little bit. This is the artery that will communicate with the ophthalmic branch uh, in at least 70% of people, so in at least two-thirds of your patients. All right, 
So let's talk about the temple anatomy. We can see that there's a bony divot. Remember that patient that I showed you during the assessment? She had a very bad temple hollow. Well, the temple bone has this deep fossa in the anterior inferior portion called the, the trough, the anterior inferior trough. And the neat thing is that in youth, this hollow is camouflaged by a thick temporalis muscle and by a thick fat pad called the intermediate temporal fat pad. The bottom line is, as we age, we get thinning of the muscle and thinning of the soft tissue, and then all of a sudden it now exposes this bony trough that has always existed. Okay? Plus, we do get loss and shift of calvarial volume as we age. And so I'm just going to bring in some anatomy for you. This is the temporalis muscle. There's a fat pad deep to it called the buccal fat. And then here is our deep fascia of the temple. It's called the deep temporal fascia. But what I want you to see are these two ligaments. You guys see these ligaments? There's a ligament that runs in the temporal fusion line. So when you, when you bite down, okay, the top of your temporal fossa, that's called the superior temporal septum. Okay? Anatomists are not that bright. So we want to try and name things from where they come from to where they go because there's a lot of structures to remember. Superior temporal septum. And then you have another one. If you work your way down, there's another one that runs from the lateral brow to the root of the helix. You guys see it right here, that inferior temporal septum. Okay? So you have a superior temporal septum, and you have an inferior temporal septum. These, by proxy, are the walls of your room. Okay? These are the ligaments that you're going to build between when you inject in the temple, no matter what plane you pick. Okay? So building the ligaments is just the overarching principle. And then we bring in, this is the intermediate temporal fat pad. This is an area of interest of mine. Um, then we bring in our artery. I want you guys to see something, okay? I want you to draw your attention right here. My shaky hand. You guys see this? Right here, see that? That artery running with the inferior temporal septum, what artery is that? That is the anterior branch of the superficial temporal artery. The same artery I just showed you in the cadaver lab, the same artery that has been implicated in blindness from temporal injection. Well, notice something. That artery runs within close proximity with the inferior temporal septum. Isn't anatomy beautiful? Okay, so now you know that. So when you go mark your patient, if you mark out the inferior temporal septum, now you have at least some idea of where the artery is located. It can be variable, but at least you've got some type of an area to understand where the artery is traveling. Okay, this is the power of anatomy for the injector. Does that make sense? All right, good. So then we can bring in our um, facial nerve branches, and then we bring in our SMAS. Okay, and notice that the artery is going to be, not only is it going to be running with the septum, but it's going to be intimate with the SMAS. So if we can predictably get above or below the SMAS, we will decrease our incidence of injuring it. And then we demonstrate our superficial temporal fat pad. And this is just you know, us injecting in an animation form. So let's talk about temporal injection. This is from my teaching course. But here you're doing a cross-sectional cut. We've done a deep injection on the bone with what's called the one up and one over. And then we did a little superficial injection in the subcutaneous fat. For the purposes of this talk, I just want you to appreciate how many structures are in the temple, okay? It is complex anatomy, and there's a lot going on. Here I'm making a back cut. You can see there's my SMAS. You guys see that pink fascia, okay? And now I'm going to actually, so that's SMAS, and I'm going to follow that subcutaneous track on the SMAS underneath the skin to connect it to my cross-cut on the temple, and then I'm going to cut down here. But what I want you to appreciate is how much volume the temple has. And think about trying to push all these structures from a deep injection. Okay, you have to get a lot of excursion. But I also want you to think about if you go superficial, you're in close proximity to the vessels. So the answer is there's no perfectly safe place to inject anywhere in the face. But you want to find the areas that increase your safety profile and keep you away from the vessel. You guys see all those structures? 
If you want to learn all that, um, come see me in Kansas City and I'll teach it all to you. Okay? But we're going to move on now to the mid-face. All right. So the mid-face, who here gets patients who want their tear troughs treated? Yeah. So it's interesting. When I teach this, when I teach this anatomy in, in more detail, I always start with cheek anatomy before I teach the tear trough. Why? Because the tear trough is created by the cheek. You have to understand that. And Jen alluded to it. I'm going to show you a patient. There's a lot of patients who come in, and they're like, I don't like my tear trough. But then once you explain to them what the tear trough actually is versus the lid-cheek junction, which is the cheek, you'll correct the cheek, and all of a sudden their tear trough looks better, and they're like, oh, my God, it's amazing. You fixed it. Academically, you're like, well, I didn't really treat the tear trough. But you did create a shape change for them. Why? Because the cheek ligaments create the tear trough. I'll repeat it again. The cheek creates the tear trough. Okay? Really important to understand that. And again, it's all about the ligaments. It's all about the walls of the midface. So the nasal jugal groove, the nasal jugal groove is the term we utilize for that, that cleft or crease that comes down the midline of the face. Okay? And so there's two ways to treat it. You can treat it non-surgically, which is what you guys want to learn, right? Or you can treat it surgically. And your goal and your objective, and in my opinion, your duty as an assessment, assessor when you do a facial assessment is to decide, is this in your wheelhouse or not? In other words, can you correct this patient with volume or does she need an operation, he or she? Okay, that's, that's the, what you have to understand. If it's a patient who's lacking volume, then yes. Volume deficient patients, that is your wheelhouse. That is what you as an injector can help correct because you're going to restore volume. If they already have a lot of volume and it's a ligament problem, then you're only going to make them worse and send them to your, your friendly local surgeon. Okay? So we can see here, this is my favorite view. Of all the illustrations that we do, I love this view because there's so much happening here, but it shows you the interplay of the cheek and the tear trough. Okay? So we demonstrate this right here. This is the tear trough groove. Okay? And then we see this groove right along the lower border. Now, so I want you to picture, here's the eye, and then here's this groove. Who here has seen a malar mound? Anybody know what a malar mound is? Okay, I'm going to show. So a malar mound, you know those patients who get that kind of bee sting look on their cheek, and they get this volume, this puffiness? That's a malar mound. Well, guess what? The malar mound is formed by ligaments. You have a ligament up top and a ligament below. So in other words, now, now we're going to come back, and our room is the cheek, okay? We're in the cheek. And our ceiling is what's called the orbital retaining ligament. It runs from the orbit to the skin. And our floor is called the zygomatical cutaneous ligaments, or a little hammock. And so what happens is this bee sting, okay, this malar mound, is created by these ligaments inserting on the skin. So this, the floor is this one right here. You guys see this? This is the floor. And then the ceiling is this groove. So those two grooves create the boundaries of the midface, but also are responsible for the malar mound which you can create as an injector if you're not in the right plane. And we'll teach you that during the complications talk today. So you're like, okay, I don't quite see it yet. That's fine. Now I'm going to bring in my structures. Okay, so now I want you guys to focus on this. This is the tear trough. So then you see as the tear trough continues as a groove down the cheek like this, you can see this network of ligaments. Or, well, pardon me. So first off, you see this ligament running from the bone to the skin. Okay, that's the top. That's the ceiling. And then you can see your ligaments here running in the floor of the space. So for those who inject cheeks, who inject cheeks? Good. If you're doing it right, you're typically below the abicularis and you're between these ligaments. But you guys have seen it. You've seen this volume push out, right? Why? Because those ligaments are protecting you and you're just you're utilizing that to optimize your product. So if we bring in our structures again here, now we can see some fat behind the abicularis in this area here called the prezygomatic space. Again, name for where it is. 
When you're injecting the cheek, whether you're using a needle or a cannula, and you're below the muscle, you are in the prezygomatic space. Okay? That is where you are in the midface, and that's the term I want you to understand. So if we come now and we bring in our skin, now, do you guys see this? You see this groove here? Okay, that's the lower border of the midface, and you see this groove here, that's the upper border of the midface. That's where your ligaments insert in the skin. And what you're going to do is you're going to build between those ligaments to create excursion of the midface, and you're going to utilize those to your advantage. The downside, the thing you have to worry about, is this. So now here we're changing our view, okay, because I know sometimes it's hard to see it with that much anatomy. So now we're going to zoom in on the cheek. And you're going to see here is this lower ligament here. What's this called? This is called the zygomatico-cutaneous ligaments. And I, I would write this down. It's really important anatomy in the cheek. Zygomatico-cutaneous ligaments. I know it sounds like a big term. I call it the mid-face hammock. Because what does it do? It creates a, a floor or a support structure. When I place product in the mid-face, it's going to stay there and not descend down into the jowl. Okay? So that's your floor of the prezygomatic space. And then you have this structure up top called the orbital retaining ligament. I'd write that down as well. Orbital retaining ligament. Ceiling floor. Ceiling floor. And the room is the prezygomatic space. That's where you're living. That's where you're injecting. But what I want to show you is this. So now I can demonstrate to you our vessels. Remember, let's go back to our vessels that we learned about maybe 20 minutes ago. And those vessels, what did we see? We saw those vessels were going to be running medial to our tear trough, right? They're running medial to the tear trough. So if we can stay within these ligaments, we're in theory protecting ourselves from getting a vascular occlusion as well, right? And that's what's really important. So then as I bring my muscle through here, I demonstrate to you the arborization of those ligaments to create the grooves in the skin. Okay, so let's take a commercial for a second. You've learned in the mid-face what? Three important things. Two ligaments, one space. Okay? Orbital retaining ligament, zygomatical cutaneous ligaments within the prezygomatic space. Every time I inject a cheek, every day in my practice, I use a cannula. It's my preferred preference, and I'll teach you that later today. But what I do is I make an insertion port in the skin, and then I feel myself get through the skin with the cannula, and I hit a layer of resistance. What do you think that is? SMAS. Exactly. And then I what? I pop through the SMAS to get down onto the bone, and then I advance it anterior in the cheek till I hit resistance. What is that resistance? The ligaments. So that's like me having a camera on the end of my cannula. The anatomy gives me power to understand where I am from a navigation perspective. I, get, I pinch and pull, I pop through the SMAS, I get down on bone, and then I travel, and I'll hit that tear trough ligament with the tip of my cannula, and I'm like, okay, all right, I'm going to stop there, and I'm going to back away a little bit, and I'm just going to lay product nice and easy, knowing that I have a ceiling and a floor to protect me, and I'm just going to build my cheek up. Is that making sense? That's the power of ligamentous anatomy in the midface. But there's one more thing. So I told you, you could cause a malar mound, okay? You can cause a bee sting on patients. I've seen it. I treat it. Unfortunately, I see it a fair amount. Um, uh, and so because people send me their malar mound complications, and it's a problem. The suboptimal outcomes, okay, the suboptimal outcomes in the midface are less related to vascular and more related to lymphatic, okay? Why? Because the, we talk about vascular occlusion, but the second problem we can create as injectors is bad edema, okay, really bad edema. What we learn from our colleagues in Australia is that the lower lid has edema that drains, or lymphatics that drain from the lower lid to the midface. And there's two levels. There's one that runs in the uh, upper part of the midface and one that runs on the bone. I'm going to show you it here, okay? 
If we inject above the abicularis muscle superficially, guess what? We can disrupt that lymphatic pathway and create an edema phenomenon. Does that make sense? And then once you create that malar mound, if you dissolve the product, you still have an edema problem because now the body's going to have to resolve that. So the lymphatic pathway below the abicularis in the prezygomatic space, that's a big, large caliber lymphatic. It's going to drain edema. And we'll talk about rheology in a little bit. But if you think about a certain uh, type of filler that has issues with prolonged nodulation and inflammation, one product is not reported as much. Why? Because that product is placed deep. So I think because of it, some of the edema and issues that may be created end up getting drained out, so you don't hear about it as much as other two partners. Okay? All right. So then when I perform an injection, I do a pinch and pull technique, and it allows me to pop through the skin, get below the smass, and then I just feel myself hit the ligaments and back away and place product to my heart's content in the lateral cheek. So that's building between the ligaments in the midface. So let's look at this patient. Remember her? Okay, she's the one I showed you last hour. I'm going to show it to you now, but we're going to talk about this concept to bring home building between the ligaments in the midface. So we talked about how her bigonial distance is wider than her biozygomatic distance, and it bothers her. So our objective is to try and treat that. If I zoom in, we can see that even at age 34, she has an early tear trough deformity. But why is this being caused? Because if we look at her in profile, which all of you are going to now take profile photos if you don't already, right? Because we talked about that in assessment. And the profile view, do you guys see this? She has mid-face hypoplasia. Her cheek is retruded. That's why she has a weak uh, cheek, and that's why she has an early tear trough deformity. We call that a negative vector in plastic surgery. But the bottom line is my goal is to treat this area, and I'm going to do it predictably on the bone, below the lymphatics, between the ligaments, to create a very predictable result. So here we are post-injection. So I'm going to leave it up here. I want you to study it. Remember, in filler, you know, it's often a subtle change. But you, can you guys see the change in the vector of her cheek? That's one cc of product in the prezygomatic space creating cheek volume. And we create a positive vector for her. So hopefully this is starting to make some sense. So now as we go from a worm's eye view, you can see which side have I treated, the right or the left? Exactly. Predictably, between the ligaments, creating a cheek. Injected, non-injected side. You saw this earlier. Utilizing the anatomy to our advantage. And so here we are before and after photos. This is immediately post-injection. And just look at her facial shape. You know, I, did, I, did I necessarily reverse her facial shape? No, but I balanced it out for her a little bit, and she was quite happy. And here she is four months out. Is there a tornado coming or something, or is this just bad weather, flash flood? All right. So let's review before we go to our final area. We talked about temples. We talked about cheeks and tear troughs. And now we're going to talk about the jawline. We've talked about SMAS. We've talked about facial vasculature. And we've talked about building between the ligaments. We're going to do the same thing in the jawline. But now we're going to bring it home. Okay, we're going to bring it home because in the jawline, you're going to do both. You're going to build between the ligaments, but you're also going to release the anatomy. So we have these patients in our practice, and you're going to come across them, who they are like the tweener population. Okay, they're the patients who are aging in their late 30s, early 40s, mid 40s, where they're having a little bit of jowling, a little pre-jow shadowing. They're not ready for a face and neck lift, and they want you to try and make their lower face look better. Well, I'm going to try and teach you how to do that today, utilizing the anatomy. So we're going to zoom in here, and we're going to learn about these three structures. Okay, these are ligaments and a fat compartment. So here's my tweener. Okay, this is a tweener patient. She comes in. 
She's got a little bit of this kind of witch chin developing, right? Because she's getting recession of the bone and the fat pads here. And she's got some jowling bilaterally, okay? She could undergo a neck and facelift, sure. But she's not ready for it, so she wants to know how we can correct it. So what we're doing with filler is we're camouflaging, okay? We're trying to alter what? A contour to improve a shadow. So I explained to her, okay, well, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to treat the pre-jowl with deep volume. We're going to give you deep support in the subsmass plane, the same thing that I showed you in the cadaver specimen when we injected, okay? Deep volume in the subsmass plane in the deep lateral chin fat. But then once we create the volume, we're still going to have dynamic strain, right? We're still going to have this tugging of the commissure and this pull down. So we have to then release the anatomy, different product, different plane, to get an optimal result. So let's look at this anatomy. We bring in our jawline. We demonstrate two ligaments. Again, here are the ligaments. Our first ligament is this ligament that runs right on the lower border of the jawline. So just like we had our mid-face hammock, remember, the zygomaticocutaneous ligament, now we have our jawline hammock, which is actually called the platysma mandibular ligament, but I just call it the jawline hammock. And then about a centimeter above it is our ceiling, and that's the mandibular retaining ligament. Okay, so platysmal mandibular ligament, mandibular retaining ligament. The bottom line is for you, these are your jawline ligaments. What you're going to do, though, is you're going to utilize them, just like you did in the other areas, as walls, okay, to then build within a predictable space. You're going to build in a subsmass plane treating this, this structure right here, which is the deep lateral chin fat. All the deep fat pads of the face will deflate as we age, and so you want to give them volume and give them support. But once you do that, once you build between the ligament, then you have to release the anatomy. And I showed you that video during the assessment. The marionette lines and creases are caused by septations from the smash to the skin. So as we smile and move, you know, these septations are tugging on the skin, creating that marionette. So we have to make sure we treat both. So here she is pre-post, okay? Deep injection in the pre-jowl and treating, releasing the anatomy, uh, utilizing um, cannula. Okay, so here we're gonna, this is a cadaver specimen. I wanna show you some things though. Here I'm injecting the deep lateral chin fat and the deep medial chin fat with product to create deep volume. Now I'm gonna take my cannula in a subcutaneous plane, and watch, I'm gonna release all this anatomy that creates that dreaded downturn of the commissure and that deep marionette in our aging patients. And what I wanna show you is the difference in the anatomical plane. So I'm releasing the anatomy here, and then we're gonna cut down and we're gonna look at our deep volume support where we built between the ligaments, and then our superficial support where we release the anatomy. So here we cut down to our cross-sectional cut. As we look, we can see there's our product, safe and sound, deep on the jawline. And you can see here, okay, here's our vessel invested in the SMAS, and here's our product, safe and sound. And you guys see this right here? Let me pause this real quick. I love this stuff. Oh, I don't know if I can pause. Oh, it's only a pointer. Okay, no problem. Um, anyhow, you can now see here, here is our product, that orange product in the subcutaneous plane where we release the anatomy. Look at that vessel, guys. There's that big vessel right underneath the chin crease, like I talked to you about. So this cadaver specimen is one of those patients that you have a problem with. And then there's our product deep underneath the SMAS. Does that make sense? Let's watch it again. I agree. Okay. All right. So remember, we injected deep volume, both in the chin and the pre-jowl, and then we took our cannula and we released the anatomy. The deep volume is green. The superficial volume is orange. Now we're gonna uh, do our superficial release. Here we are. Okay, you saw me do this in the patient earlier. 
And then we're going to cut down to show the different levels that we've treated. As we cut down, we're going to come into the facial artery, which is invested in this mass, just like we predicted it would be. And then we're going to see, see that product safe and sound. And notice how that product stopped. You're going to see that the product hit an abrupt border at the lower border of the jawline. That's your jawline hammock. So there's our vessel in the SMAS, and there's our product safe and sound. And notice this, it stopped right here. There's a little ligament right here. Safe and sound on top of the jawline hammock. And then here we're going to cut from the commissure down. Look at that orange product. Look at how we release the anatomy, and then we put the product in there to, to prevent it from reattaching, okay? Uh, or at least to try to prevent it from reattaching. And then there's our, our big old vessel. Excellent. All right. So in summary, what have we learned this morning? We learned that anatomy is variable, that there are a symphony of structures in the face, that the vasculature must always be respected. The SMAS is your friend. It truly is. The SMAS is your friend, and it's a potential depth gauge for you to navigate around the face. Build between or within the ligaments when you can. Navigation is critical. It's all about depth. Release the anatomy, and most importantly, never stop learning. Why? The fear of injections is the fear of anatomy. Yes, exactly. All right, and then um, I think I have something for you here. Hi, everyone. Dr. Chris Zurich here with the Academy for Injection Anatomy. This is a unique opportunity where you get to perform hands-on dissection. You'll perform an injection and then dissect down to see where your product is relative to key facial anatomical landmarks. You have to have command of the anatomy and to have a visual in your mind of where your cannula or needle is located when you're performing your injection. It is one thing to look at a 2D version of the facial anatomy, but it's a whole nother thing to literally have your hands in there and truly understand what's going on underneath the skin surface as well as certain depths for different areas that we're treating. Our goal with this course is to help alleviate your fear when injecting in the face. The fear of injections is the fear of anatomy. All right, and then if you want, you can take a photo of this. This is the information for those who might be interested in learning some more about facial anatomy. And um, that's all I have for you guys. Thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. This has been a presentation of Dermcast.tv, the official online media resource for the Society of Dermatology PAs.